Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fill Me In, a podcast devoted to covering the highs and lows of the 2021 Philadelphia Phillies. The season has started, and we have a lot to talk about. My name is Mitch, and I'm a Phillies fan. My name is Gordon, and I am Connor Brogdon's number one fan. And my name is Andrew, and I am a Yankees fan. Uh, also, I've been called clueless before. Boys, good to see your faces. Very glad that baseball's back. How are you both doing? Super glad that baseball's back. Thank you. Elated to be watching baseball on a near nightly basis. Unbelievable. Yeah, this is really everything we've been waiting for. Um, if you're new, basically what we're doing here is there are two Phillies fans and one Yankees fan, and the Phillies fans want to talk Phillies, and the Yankees fan has to listen. So listen, I'm a baseball fan. I'm a Yankees fan. And then I'm a baseball fan, but I'm living in the Philadelphia area. I want to learn more. And uh, these are the guys that are going to help me. That's all right. That's what we're here for. Mitty, you were at the game today. There were reports that I was at the game today. (laughs) I didn't want to speak on this. I didn't want to get too controversial or say something, you know, before it was the right time. But I can now break the news to you guys. You guys got the scoop on this. I was at the game tonight. Oh, baby. I was at the game, game three of the Mets series, 405 start down at the bank, and I was there. All um, vaxxed up and just ready to go. Totally ready to go. It, it was it was an experience, and I knew that this was a big a big day for me. So I actually took the time to kind of step aside and reflect. And, I, I you know, I got – I got found a quiet space and I got my thoughts thoughts out there and I wanted to share them with you guys if 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 you guys will permit me. Permission granted. Okay, because uh buckle up guys. I'm going long for. As I head down 476 and feel the road pass underneath the tires of my car, I can't help but think of the passage of time. It's been a long time since fans have been allowed at the ballpark, and today, I get to make my personal return to Citizens Bank Park. Now, just a few short years ago, I myself was a resident of Philadelphia. I shared a zip code with my favorite team. I'd hop aboard the Broad Street Line, head south until the track ran out, climb the stairs and pound the pavement, arriving at that old familiar place to enjoy a ball game in the summer air. Things are a little different now. Time, as it's known to do, has passed. Days and weeks and months have come and gone. I no longer live in the city. I've fled for the suburbs. I'm a family man, and now I take my mid-sized sedan down to South Philly and pay an exorbitant amount for parking. But when I step inside that stadium, America's constant will be there to greet me. Baseball, standing strong through the years, offering that same great experience to young and old, no matter how much time has passed. I'm ready for baseball. things in this world quite like a Phillies win. As I leave the stadium tonight, I am thankful and grateful. Grateful for another chance to catch some baseball in the great outdoors. If 2020 taught us anything, it's to cherish what we have while we have it. And tonight, I cherished those Phillies. Man, Mitch, I mean, I was going to say something later about the slightly embarrassing emotions that I feel on opening day every year, like that. I look forward to opening day so much. And then I get there and I'm, I'm just a little ashamed about how excited and how emotional it makes me. So I feel seen and heard with that audio clip. And I'm so glad that you got to experience it in person today. Yeah. uh, You're not alone with those feelings. And just, just real quick uh, this past Saturday, uh, April 3rd, I was back in my hometown to see um, 
my family for for a little Easter get together and drove past uh, the ball field where I played when I grew up, and I saw two full squads of what looked to be about 12 year olds in full uniform playing baseball. And I know it sounds dumb, but it almost made me cry just to see like, you know, the game was being played two full teams in uniform. That wasn't just a practice or pickup or kids doing a home run derby. They're playing the game in my hometown where I played, you know, so, you know, I almost cried at that. So don't, don't feel bad if you get emotional about opening day. Gordon, are you going to join the sap fest? I mean, spring has sprung. It's even it's even the smell of the grass. I you know the 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 team has been playing uh, out on the field where I work. It's been fun to watch. Uh, it's I feel the same way. It's just like it's nostalgic and it's all at once this like joyous return. And I think in a, in a, in this pandemic year too, right? It's been this extended period of time where we haven't had this. What you're saying. The, we had a little bit of MLB last year. It was this weird abbreviated thing. But in terms of, right, you're driving by the ball field by your house and you're seeing, right, Little League going on, there's something about that that just takes you back and it's something different. And that, to me, is like, yes, this opening day and opening week that we've had, baseball is back and it's electrifying. So, I mean, you guys, I, I know you've both been – citizens bank park many times even andrew uh, who's not even a phillies fan has been there many times and it's a great place to catch a game you guys i'm sure you know if you don't remember the next time you set foot in there you'll snap right back into it you'll you know this is this is the vibe i'm used to these are the fans i'm used to i'll tell you what you know the capacity's down right now today's attendance was uh somewhere around ten thousand. i don't know if that counted i don't know if that counted staff or not but it you know, uh, definitely was not as loud as when the stadium's actually full, but it the feeling was still there. You know, the, the oohs and ahs, the the boos, the cheers, they came at the right times and that they did not sound at all <laughs> like the fake crowd noise machines. Um, it was so natural. And I know like we would never have even like thought to highlight that, but after 2020, you kind of feel like you have to, but it was that, that was great just to be a part of it and uh, spoiler alert, but you know, Phillies made use of the long ball uh, while I was at the game and I had to hold myself back so that I would have a voice to be able to record this podcast. Mitch, do you uh, partake of any of the, the fair at the ballpark this evening? Uh, uh, in a, in a sense, I will, in a sense, I was hoping you wouldn't ask, so I wouldn't have to admit uh, <laughs> you know, he got I got dipping get... dots. He got dipping dots. We yeah, all know yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> the I, for the strawberry dipping dots. Got him. Put me on the record as not a dipping dots guy. Um, sorry to break the hearts there, but you know, I had to go to Campos. Sure. Wiz wit and fatty got some fries with it too. I is mean, that, oh. is that the hoagie spot at the, at the bank? There's a few. No, there's a few. You can you can uh, you can pick the one you like the best, and then you got to make sure that you make sure you got to make sure that everyone around you knows that this actually isn't your preferred cheesesteak. Your preferred cheesesteak is a place that not many people have probably heard of. You of know, you're gonna get a deep cut favorite place that you make sure you declare so that you're not like basic. So, <laughs> well, we'll stay out of that controversy then. 100%. That's its own podcast. That's a separate thing. It's being recorded elsewhere tonight. Two two little two little stories here. One, uh, I'm I m- many people know this about me. I've never caught a foul ball or a home run ball at a pro game and that's something that eats away at me. And every time I go, I think it could be my night and it never is. You have your glove with you? <laughs> I ditched the glove um about two years ago. Um, That's how you justify getting the beer. You chug it, and then you have a glove. Sorry, honey. What's going to happen if the ball comes? I need something to catch it. Got to get the beer. And there's no greater flex than the dad who's on camera, who's got, you know, 
whether it's the beer or the child in one hand and makes the catch with the bare hand. Oh, oh my so gosh. Can you imagine? Are you just, you're on top of the world at that point. What is better? Yeah. Well, that was not me tonight, uh, but it was the guy sitting two seats to my left. So that's my sad news. Um, so close. And yet so far. Off of whose bat? You remember? I can't remember at this point, which is embarrassing. I think it goes to show just how invested I was in the ball itself. Like nothing else mattered. You're repressing the memory. Yeah. 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 I think that's more likely. Yeah. Well, this is good. We'll process it. And no, don't psychoanalyze me. I'm on the record as anti psychoanalysis. <laughs> All right. Well, I was just trying to help let you process a little bit, talk about your feelings. But if you don't want to do that and get better, then I can't help you. The other story is, uh, okay, so we're going to spoil a little bit here about the scores. And I, I won't give specifics, but Phillies had a seven-run lead at one point in today's mm-hmm. game. And the Mets uh, had a, a good, you know, as they always do, had a decent contingent of fans uh, at Citizens Bank Park. And they always make themselves heard. You know, it's it's, it's just what happens. So the Phillies are up seven, and the Mets scratch a run across, and the lead is cut to six. And boy, this one Mets fan starts going off cheering about it. And he's in a loud mouth trying to make himself heard. And from out of nowhere, this lady about 30 feet away from me just rails off on him. Oh, good for you. You still need six more runs. She's giving him the business. And smaller crowd size, you can hear every word. This lady was going off on this dude about, you know, basically just saying scoreboard. It was not, like, I wasn't ready for it, but it immediately brought me back, like, okay, live sports, all right. Oh, that's so good. I love that. What what neighborhood uh, did her accent sound like? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh native <laughs> no no she was uh she she moved to 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 philly for college and just never left so she's been bouncing around neighborhood. shout out sounds like a sounds like a good good uh life if you ask me not that i would know anything about that but sounds no, good yeah definitely not andrew there's an incredible uh there's an incredible gift that bounces around on uh, are we Felix Twitter. Are you talking about presents? Are we a gift pod? Uh, yeah, yeah. We, this, this no. is a, this is a gift to the Yankees fan. But on Philly's Twitter, every time we play the Mets, you're bound to see the gif of the fanatic pouring the uh, freaking tuba horn full of popcorn <laughs> on the Mets fan. That's a classic gift. So that's that's a mean, that embodies this woman lighting up this Mets fan during a live sporting event is that is the fanatic spirit pouring out the popcorn on the Mets fan. Get out of Philadelphia. I love I'm, it. I'm glad you brought GIFs up. <clears throat> GIFs, like the peanut butter GIF. Okay. Because Just, I actually great. have a question for you. Hmm. Um, I was going to save this for later, but let's just get right into it. Roundabout opening day. Saw, I saw GIF come from a Philly sports person that I follow of a gentleman walking out of the Phillies bullpen. He had a flow going. He polishes off a Red Bull and absolutely like when I say he smashes it against his thigh, like it was so aggressive and I loved that energy. Is that somebody currently in the bullpen? Who is that? Do you know the GIF I'm talking about? I know. It. I Gord, permit me to take this one? I'm going to let you take this one despite me loving this man. Go ahead. This man, to, to answer your question, no. He's not in the bullpen mm. currently. Is he on the team? He is with the Phillies, and he is not at the big, big league level as of yet, but there is no doubt that we will be seeing plenty of him this year. None other than Jojo Romero, absolute stud out of the pen. Mm. And he, it's not going to be long before he's up, and this dude is going to deal. I know it. Gord knows it. And he's going to be doing a lot more Red Bull smashing. 
I am I, so I, in on that. It's incredible. D's down on the farm, and I'm telling you what, I know we've said spoiler alert a couple of times, but if Vinny V turns in another performance like that one yesterday night, we're going to see Jojo Romero within a fortnight. <laughs> this is the, really going to confuse our younger listeners. <laughs> yeah, I called it a gif, and then I said fortnight. Oh, canceled. <laughs> Well, there's a few reasons to root for this guy to come soon because I can already see the uh, the JoJo and JoJo stuff if he really becomes an elite like uh, bullpen guy. Oh, JoJo, yeah. of course, Joel Embiid. Mm. Love that. Oh, that little cross, cross town there. Shouts the process. All right. Well, uh, what are we doing today, boys? What's, the, what's it looking like? So – Today, I mean, now that we got the insights from, you know, from the night of the ballpark out there, you know, we got nothing left to do but catch you up on the game results. So we're going to be doing that, going through the results of the games thus far from the first two series. Uh, we'll do a little bit of an update from the division uh, that is the NL East. Uh, we'll take a little bit of a deeper dive into some of the events from the first six games of the Phillies year. Uh, and then we'll look ahead a little bit and see what's coming up next for the Phils and for us. Sounds like a plan. I'll take the first one. Uh, we started the year off with a dub, 3-2, to two, over the Atlanta Braves. Uh, we had our boy, Daddy Knowles, outdueling Freed. Nolan went six and two-thirds. He had six Ks uh, and, frankly, one mistake in this game. So he was he was polished. He was showing a lot of promise, but he did have that one mistake a little bit late in the outing. But uh, it was Segura who walked it off with an RBI single in the 10th. We walked it off on opening day, and it was a good feeling. It was a good one to get there. So that was uh, 1-0 on the season. Uh, let's go every other, Mitty. Yeah, game two is another win. Phillies took the game 4-0 over the Braves to improve to 2-0. Zach Wheeler just absolutely shined, went seven innings, None earned, 10 Ks, and only one lone hit. So that was a stud performance. Uh, he even poured in two RBIs at the plate. Can't ask for much more there. And our boy Reese added another two RBIs, and that's good for a 4-0 win for the Phils. Not one, not two, but three wins then over the Braves. We swept the series. Uh, Zach Eflin, a.k.a. our boy Elfline was dealing. He went seven. He had eight Ks, only one earned run on the day. Um, he was somebody's step-up pitcher the first half. And let me tell you, he looked phenomenal. Was thrilled to see that out of him. Uh, Andrew Knapp, backup catcher, had the team's first home run in the third game of the season. So he went deep. Uh, but it was Alec Bohm with the clutch RBI single uh, later in the game to put us ahead uh, two to one. And then Hector, the protector, came in and got the save. Uh, swept the Braves. That's to go 3-0 against the Braves early. I mean, it was the stuff that we had talked about in the opening day pod. But oh my goodness, it it was a it was it was like holy cow, this is real and it's all happening. But both Twitter, the ballpark, the broadcast, everything about it, it was just like it hasn't been this good to be a baseball fan in a long time. It was like a okay. I don't want to say boiling point because that that sounds a little negative. It was like that. It was like that rolling boil that you that you see in the pot, you know, when you're cooking something good. It's got that rolling boil. You're kind of at a, no pun intended, but a fever pitch. Nice. Um, shout it, out it, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, shout out, <laughs> shout out Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> um, great way to start the season. Like, like you know, it's been said a million times, but you can't really, uh, you know, predict anything better than that. And and it happened. So, you know. Three early wins, get that sweep against the Braves, no less. Walk off on opening day, like come on, and that was just outstanding. And what do you do after sweeping your first series? How do you follow that up? Well, let me tell you what: the Mets came to town after the Braves, and this happened to also be the Mets' first game. So it's their opening day. They're hyped. They're ready for you know get their season started after all those big offseason additions. So what are the Phils going to do about it? Well. Tell you what, Phillies won 5-3 in game four of the season. Matt Moore making his first start. He only made it 3.1 innings, 
Um, but the bullpen did its job coming in, getting out of a big jam and just holding off the Mets, um, not letting the damage get any worse after, uh, after surrounding an early lead. Um, and then in the eighth inning, the runs came for the Phillies to the tune of five, five runs in the eighth. Phillies took the lead, didn't look back. Um, some Mets miscues really uh, afforded the Phillies some some uh, breathing room there, and they were able to secure their fourth straight win to open up the year. Just, just another great game. Hashtag LOL Mets. Uh, it's always good to see one of your rivals spend all that money and then come out and not back it up whatsoever. Uh, incredible. Game two of the series, we did drop, so I get to cover the only loss of the first two series of the year, but we lost four to eight to the Mets. Chase Anderson allowed two over five. Uh, the, bullpen, the bullpen did bleed uh, some more after that, but Didi did homer uh, off of Stroman. He, he hit a sinker to straightaway center, and it, it was just bombed out there. It was a good night, nice piece of hitting. You know, Phillies had some garbage time runs as well, but it was our first L on the year. Uh, you know, it's our five pitcher going against their two. Uh, guess how bad I felt about it sitting at four and one, not very. Yeah, I, I agree there. I mean, you can't get too caught up, uh, just like you can't put too much stock into wins. Shouldn't put too much into losses. That's baseball. But one thing that is nice is to see the Phils come back in the final uh, game of the series against the Mets, the rubber match and take that series win. This was a game I was at in person, and let me tell you what, Phillies got started early. We saw Reese Hoskins go opposite field home run. That's a solo in the first, and the inning was not done there. Alec Bohm, with two on, goes deep to center, just a shot. That's four first inning runs. Uh, Phillies really didn't look back. Aaron Nola had sort of a funny outing tonight. Um, he only went four innings. Uh, had gave up six hits and two walks, so good amount of base runners uh, and a couple jams that he worked out of, uh, only giving up one earned run. So, I mean, it wasn't terrible performance for Nola. His pitch pitch count just got high because of some of those base runners and whatnot and a lot of deep counts that he was in. But ultimately, um, did what he had to do, and then the bullpen, I mean, just an, another solid performance there. Gord's favorite, Connor Brogdon, came in. Great outing from him and kind of strangely uh, was awarded the win in today's game. And don't look now, but Brogdon has three wins on the season out of the bullpen. And that's just incredible to go, you know, to have half as many wins as the team does out of the bullpen. That's ridiculous. Notable nights at the plate. Uh, that would be Reese going three for five with a home run and two doubles. And then Alec Bohm and JT Real Muto, who both each hit a three-run home run. A lot of offense tonight. You know, the story was kind of that the bats hadn't quite woken up despite the early wins on the season. And get that afternoon game, nice weather, a little bit warmer. The ball was flying today, and we saw it with those home runs. It was magical. And with a six-run lead, you turn it over to the bullpen – and you were like, you know what? We got this one. Call it in. We're ready to go. And that's a good feeling. That was the opposite, whereas you had a six-run lead last season, and you'd look at that and you'd be like, what? Let's, let's see how it goes. Let's not, uh, you know, let's not write this one off. You'd have to watch yeah. all the way through to the end. But I'll go back. I'll, I'll, I'll go back and confirm whether or not this is the case, but I'm going straight off the dome with this one. In 2020 shortened season, I think the Phillies – blew a six run or greater lead in a game that was not even nine innings a seven inning doubleheader game i believe they managed to blow greater a, a lead that was six runs or greater it was a blue one of the blue jays games up in that minor league field they played at it was just a bad afternoon but just an efficient yeah. day for that bullpen very efficient if, yeah so if the philly season goes south we could rebrand as being called a, a bad afternoon Mm. pretty good um there's a lot of good i mean okay you're five and one that's good but there's a lot of good stuff in here like zach wheeler that's a gem holy cow yeah i i 
it's hard to even say because like you're like well you know so far anyone who's done anything good this season you you have to kind of be like well it's early uh, you know small sample but like well, yeah I was like I don't even know really how to speak the words to express the way he pitched like the stats are amazing but it's just like you you don't get those kind of performances like you, even you know great pitchers might not have a game that good in the season and you know they're still worth their weight and it's great i don't know it's, yeah, it's hard to it's, it's his age 30 season the velocity was still there he was still touching 99 he was still, i think he touched 100 several times in the game the the force team looked great i mean honestly in the in the first game against the mets degrom was dominant i think you know it's it's hard to like state how poorly the mets represented him uh, i thought he was actually he looked better eye test than wheeler did from a pitching perspective but wheeler was the whole project i mean just like 10 k's only giving up one hit and then goes and does it himself and gets his own rbis like he was truly a one man band that day yep. i mean other people have put out i think kind of similar or better performances whether it's garrett cole recently or whatever but like that's mvp type stuff if you keep that type of thing up with consistency i hate to even kind of like superstition wise put that out there but did somebody say garrett cole i oh. did mistakenly uh i i can't take it back at this point so yeah he looked good. Know better I, I yeah i do i mean i just i just gotta say this i mean you mentioned Degrom's performance it was great and you look at wheeler Degrom. i mean can you imagine if those two guys were on the same team like what could be accomplished there but anyway uh, I'm not going to not going to go down that rabbit hole. Um, another thing with Wheeler and Andrew, I kind of want your opinion on this. Cause like you said, you know, like you've been trying to tell us that you're a baseball fan um, just in general. So I don't, I mean, prove it, but sure. <laughs> Wheeler is a righty, righty fireballer and he bats lefty. So, I mean, I'm assuming there's no way that his dominant hand is not his right hand, but he bats lefty. So like, what do you, what's your opinion on the, the kids who are righty, you know, righty throwers, but then they or their dad or, you know, whoever teaching them decides to get them to start hitting lefty. Like, is that like a try hard move? Like, what do you see? On no, that? this is an easy answer. If okay. you bat lefty, you have a distinct advantage that you are closer to first base when you're in the batter's box that equates to significant more times on base over a career. And to me, if you're going to be a pitcher first and not really care that much about, you know, how your swing looks or how you're doing that well at the plate. Hey, if I have an extra step to beat out a ground ball or something like that as the pitcher, I'll take that every day. I love that move. Okay. Okay. So, so you're saying if you were hired as pitching coach or as sorry, as hitting coach, you'd have all your pitchers switching to be lefties, right? Absolutely. No doubt. Wow. Okay. No doubt. It's about, yeah, like you're saying, you know, in a given game, is it going to get you, uh, you know, an extra 90 feet? Maybe not tonight, but when you look at it over a course of your, you know, your hitting coach career, how many runs have you produced from that switch? Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yep. And I'd be having them do each row swings every time because, if you just do a normal swing, it, it's not like you have that much better chance anyway. You might as well start running before you hit the ball. I'm pretty like sure it factored into the game that, that he that he played it. I'm pretty sure Wheeler beat out a play at first. At, at some point, his base running came into play in that game too. So salient. I don't like talking about the Braves. I don't like talking about the Mets or the Nationals or the Marlins, but they happen to be in the same division as the, as the Phillies. So – Let's just quick run through the division and what happened uh, here in the early going. Um, the Mets and the Nationals were set to square off uh, on opening day, but that whole series was postponed uh, due to some COVID cases and contact tracing and whatnot. So that whole series was uh, did not happen, um, which is why, as we mentioned earlier, the Mets coming to Philly for what was the Phillies' second, se uh, second series was actually the Mets' opening night, um, which was spoiled. But we already we already went over that. Um, so yeah, Nationals and Mets didn't play their first series um, after being swept by the Phillies. The Braves actually um, were set to take on the Nationals next, and in Game One of that series, the Braves got walked off on again. 
So the Braves, I think, you know, maybe their strategy was just like, hey, at these teams, they're they're the host on opening day. Let's just be nice and let them walk off on us. I think that's what the Braves were going for. So Braves fans, don't worry about that start. Common courtesy. Yeah. I mean, they should be noted. They came back. They had a doubleheader the next day. They won 7-6 and 2 nothing. So their bats were starting to wake up too. I mean, I think Acuna might have now three home runs or more at this point. They're they're coming alive. They're gonna they're gonna find the median here from a stats perspective. Um, but I mean, yeah, dropping four right away, beautiful thing. Can I um, have a hot take real quick? Give me that. Okay, so I'm I'm on record as, as saying that you know in all major sports, my f- personal favorite given play is the home run. I'll take it over the overtime hockey goal. Uh, you know, I'll take it over the Hail Mary, whatever you want. I, home run. Give me the home run. I don't even care. It's just I love it. Uh, and another thing I love about it is when it comes as a leadoff home run. It's just like that is the best play in the sport, and you're doing it off the jump. Just right away, just hitting a home run. That is like so electric to me. It's like a yeah, it's like a you know, ninety yard running play first first play scrimmage, is like how you, what you would equate that to in football. Yeah, what's that fifteen yard penalty after the touchback or? <laughs> I think what he's getting yeah. at is that it's the ultimate tone setter. The hot take prediction here is that I would I would love to see and. I don't. I don't like the Braves. Whatever, but I would love to see Acuna just go out and just like mash every leadoff home run he can, and end up being like a career leader in that because it's. Awful. He's already the franchise leader, I believe, in leadoff home runs. I think he has twenty or twenty-two. They just tweeted about this the other day. Just do it against it. the Mets. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Or do it. You know, do it against the Phillies, but then let the Phillies score like six in the in the bottom of the first. You know. Or, you know. Well, according to you, the Braves are all about this type of courtesy, you know, on opening day, letting the other folks win. That's good. So that's yeah. common courtesy. I like that. I appreciate so you're, that. You're, you guys are quoting me at like, what, 22, you're saying? 20 or 22, I think, is the number. I'm seeing Ricky Henderson, which I, I knew he was the the uh, all-time leader, but I'm seeing 81 game opening home runs for Henderson. So, I mean, we're in play there. I'd there shouldn't be a problem for Acuna to break that unless we'll just, he's yeah. We'll, we'll pencil him in for one twenty career, I think. Yeah, not easy. No problem. <laughs> we'll call like the Braves out of bed. Yeah, That's hey, right. Braves, don't move him anywhere else in the lineup. We want to see history. I'll tell you what really grinded my gears is after Phillies go three and zero. I think Baltimore was three and zero, and MLB Twitter <sighs> posts that both. The Nets, uh, the Nets. Oh my gosh, the Mets and the Nats. They were like only undefeated team: Mets, Nats, Phillies, Baltimore. I was like, and there was one other team. I can't remember who it was. Astros. Astros. And I was like, why on earth would you put those people on the graphic after not having played any games as undefeated? Uh, technically, they <laughs> have not yet been defeated. <laughs> it's unbearable. It, it's. I can't stand that. They they then they literally changed the graphic and reposted it again hours later, but that just burned me up in the moment. Uh, so hold anyway, the grudge, Gordon. Hold the grudge. Allow me. Allow me to hold the grudge, and I will. So uh, let's. Get, I mean, back to the division roundup. Uh, Braves are two and four. Um, you know they're trailing the Mets and the Nats in the division standings, but of course, you know Mets and Nats don't have as many games played. So the standings, that's kind of silly to look at them right now, but that's where we're at. Uh, Mets just visited the Phillies for their first series after their uh, initial series was canceled. And as we know, Mets went one and two, dropping that series to our Phils. The Marlins started off in some interleague play. Uh, They lost two of three to the Rays and then went on to play the Cardinals where they were swept uh, being outscored 15 to three. So, Rough Yikes. start for the Marlins. Breaking um, news: Marlins are bad. I, I'm, I mean, I'll take it. I'm, I'll say okay. But Rays and Cardinals are good ball clubs. There, it's a tough yeah, start. I mean, everybody has a tough start, but that, that's where we're at. So, I mean, Phillies in a great spot so far. Uh, 
And now all we have to do is keep that up for another 156 games. Uh, this feels like a good time to debut a new segment. I'm gonna I'm gonna try out. Can I can I uh, see what I've got here? Please swing away. All right, it's called sniff test with Ando. And what I'm really wondering is, what is your confidence? Uh, rank the bullpen arms by confidence level, just based on the sniff test. Like I don't want you going by ERA or whatever. Just based on what you saw and how they looked and how you feel about them rank your your bullpen arms by confidence mm. this is a great segment i love this i think i mean top of the list mitch i don't know if you are in agreement with me i would be uh, missing something if i didn't mention brogdon i mean three wins in six games i think is the most ever in the franchise i think he has not given up a run in all of his appearances so far uh going back to the spring innings too they mean nothing but just like he's on a tear he he is hot for me in terms of not just results but yeah the sniff test he's number one for me uh but you, you could you could convince me that alvarado might be up there who who's at the top of your list yeah i think i think i mean i'm, I'm just like you said sniff test what well, you know like don't think about it too much what do you say i say alvarado like that he's got abilities that you don't just like have in other guys so i go alvarado but brogdon's resume right there so i mean so far that's 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 confidence inspiring for him and for us as fans um i also um you know i've been really impressed with kinsler i think his leverage the leverage of his situations may not be as high as some of the other guys in terms of you know like closing out games or landing the plane, so to speak, but he's a pro, and I like I, I have confidence in him, and I, tr- I trust him out of the bullpen. I mean, he came in and got a, a crucial ground into a double play the other night in a relief situation that got us out of a jam. He's only pitched two and a third so far, but he's looking reliable. He definitely passes the sniff. That, like, another way to say it is, like, do you trust him in late September, October? And, yes, he's he's part of the equation there. Um, especially you talk about a game three, a game four of a playoff series, he's going to have to factor in along with those other guys in the back end of the bullpen. Uh, I agree with Kinsler. I thought that's a good, a good takeaway. Um, Archie Bradley, small sample looks good, continues to just strike the right tone in terms of whether it's social media presence, whether it's kind of how he's just kind of carrying himself. Um, obviously still love that, but He's looked good. I actually thought today, Mitch, I don't know if you have any feedback in person, the eye test there, but today was, I thought his weakest showing, but he's fine. Yeah. I put him in that, I put him in that upper tier, you know, of the, the, the previous three guys we talked about. I we'll get into this next, but the second tier of this bullpen, I, I don't think Bradley belongs there. Um, I see that second tier as, guys like uh coonrod and hale who like you know like i just haven't seen enough to you know that they, they haven't they haven't uh warranted getting sent down or anything or you know oh here comes this guy but it's like i think everybody knows those aren't those those aren't your first choices in a, in a given situation they are more depth guys and people who can spell those more premier names in our bullpen um we didn't mention Hector Neris, who has been strong. I mean, I think there was those moments where – and Alvarado was a little bit the same way, I feel like. But Neris was – he had these moments where he'd be like, oh, man, I, I you sensed last season or you sensed the previous versions of Hector coming to the fore and you were like, deal with the dude. And he got through. He pressed through and, and he persisted and he's, he's done well, got the results that we need, um, you know. Uh, he looks great, but it's it's. I, I think it's easy to forecast for Alvarado. He's going to have those blow up innings where he loses control sometimes, and Neris is going to blow some saves. It's just, do they have the mental fortitude? Does does Cotham, as the pitching coach, is he instituting something different this year where these guys are going to, you know, have something that they didn't have in, in previous iterations of this bullpen that they're going to be able to kind of withstand those things that are inevitably coming down the line? Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, I hadn't really mentioned Neris because I don't know what tier I put him in. Like 
I don't know. I ask me later, a couple weeks, couple months. I don't know, man. He's uh, at the but, top of my list until somebody gives me a better uh, bullpen nickname than Hector the Protector. Gord dropped that earlier. I'm in love. He's my favorite. So if you guys have somebody else that's got a better nickname, I'm I'm all ears. But until then, that's uh, that, I'm going to rank him at the top personally. I swear he was called that ironically to start. And if he earns it this year, great. I would love that. His ERA is zero. He's pitched three innings. He's got to save on him. It's one of those things, you know, his K per nine is 15 strong, uh, but his walks are up there. It's one of those things that you see those Achilles heels. They're still present. He's had a success here in the early on. How, you know, can he weather those storms down the line to Mitch's point? Yeah. And then I think, um, while there is while there is only one bullpen member we haven't talked about yet, there are actually still several tiers. Um, those being um, bad, <laughs> worse, horrible, uh, and then just like completely putrid. Um, and we're probably placing Vince Velasquez in any of those tiers, but you know mainly the putrid tier if you don't know the history of vince velasquez and you looked at his sole performance against the mets last night you watched him come in and you're like holy smokes i mean i think he threw 15 pitches and got out of the inning and he was in and out of there and you were like has he turned over a new leaf what's going on and then he comes back the next inning to keep and he keep Girardi keeps him in the game. Why wouldn't you? Fifteen pitches, and he he mows them down. He it was dominant, and the dude can can barely get out. And his ERA is now at twenty seven. And you're just like, oh yeah, that's right. That's Vince Velasquez, and it's a nightmare. And I don't like writing guys off this early, but be with the historical context. DFA this dude, gotta happen. Yeah. Uh- this might help you feel maybe a, like a little bit better. Um, not the name drop, but I was listening to a guy by the name of Jason Stark. There's a little bit about the Phillies. Uh, he was, he was mentioning with, in regards to Vince Velasquez, uh, the new, you know, with Dombrowski being new to the Phillies, obviously he knows, he knows the arms, he knows who we have, but this is his first time seeing, you know, the in season Vince Velasquez, him and you know Dombrowski and his crew may not felt may not have felt that they've seen enough yet to make a decision on him, and so this may be you know him making the team and being part of the bullpen and getting usage here early. You know, Dombrowski might still be figuring out what is this guy all about, and you know as fans we feel like we already know. So I think I think Jason Stark's point was like you know. Dombrowski knows baseball. He knows what he's doing. He doesn't see that performance and think, oh, it's not that bad. Like, obviously, he knows that's not a, a good performance out of the bullpen. But I guess the the optimistic takeaway for the Optipod is, you know, there's still time <laughs> to part ways with Velasquez. Um, just maybe give management some time to do so. Well, I think and, that's valid. And a spin zone also would be – it's a long season. And if you use all your top tier arms, like it's the, a pennant race, like you're going to be burned out by May. So even as bad as he is, you need mop up guys. And like, even if for the first two months he's playing that, like, you know, you haven't had a lot of these yet because you've been in every game you played, which is a good problem to have. But if he's getting in the blowout on either side, that kind of game and just eating innings and taking it off somebody's else, somebody else's plate. It's probably worth it, especially if they're just going to, if they're sold on DFAing him anyway, use up his arm, you know, take it off somebody else. A little bit. Yeah. Blue, blue I agree with that. Way. As long as the innings that like Jojo is getting down on the farm are, are quality. If he's getting reps that count and make a difference in his development, I think that's great. I just think to have Vince mop up the the scraps when JoJo could be getting that good experience, and even if it's not perfect, like getting better, I'd rather spend it in that way. But mm-hmm. 
I yeah to 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 Mitch's point, I think it's just a matter of Dombrowski and Co getting a sample, and then we're not going to see him for very long. And they're probably doing service time stuff with Romero too, right? I would I would imagine. That was my impression, but I have not. Uh, I, I guess I haven't done my research on that to know whether that's certainly what's going on or not. Right. Igner Andrew, to give you context for Velasquez, he started for us. He has been in the bullpen for us. Uh, I think my highlight for Velasquez came in the 2019 campaign. Um, it's it's a it's a White Sox game. It's in August. It's like it's like early August. It's like August. What a, what a first or second. Or something like that. What a throwaway and game. White a total Sox. throwaway game. White Sox uh, in August. Yeah, exactly. That's what everybody. They, I'm sure the stadium was filled with the White Sox in <laughs> to um, the brim. But it's it's a extra inning game. It's top of the 14th. Uh, and we have uh, Mitchell love this. I believe Roman Quinn was pitching, which also coincidentally might have been his most effective position. It might be the best, last time he played well for us was then. Um, but essentially, All of his there's four a, is from his one pitching appearance against the White Sox. Vinny V is out in left field just because I think we're out of options. And, uh, you know, somebody, there's a guy on second, top of the 14th. And somebody puts it out to left and Vinny, Vinny V throws this dude out of the plate. And I just remember Philly's Twitter and like even MLB Twitter in general loses their collective mind that a relief pitcher throws a guy out. And so it's like, to me, it's kind of like logical. It's like, Oh, look, the dude with the super strong arm threw a guy out of the plate. Incredible. But I remember seeing video of that. That was the top for Vinny V. And uh, it was just like firmly entrenched and bookmark, uh, bookended on both sides by just deep, deep valleys on either end. And we're still in one of those on the opposite side of it. So that's it's a little Valley ignorant Andrew corner there. It's kind of like, you know, Andrew, uh, uh, to put it in terms that, that uh, you can get on board with. Please, you. yeah. Uh, you know, you work in, uh, I'll just say in general terms, you work in a, in a uh, business department. And and this that is sounds like, fake. You know, <laughs> you yes, are. Uh, I do paperwork for the business department. <laughs> you're in the business department, and um, you know you've been with the company for three, four, five years. Um, you know, that's what you do. You're in the business department. Well, one day, you go down, uh, and and you go down to the HR department, human resources, and uh, you know, Leonard in HR is actually having a problem because he can't get his emails to display the way he wants them. And so what do you do? You do a couple quick clicks, knowing what you know, you fix his email display problem. And now all around the company, the entire company, every, every stakeholder in that company knows you as Andrew, that guy from the business department who knows how to fix outlook problems. Got it. That's, that's Vince Velasquez, the elite arm great potential stuff who had that outfield assist that one time. Right. Right. I mean, Mitch, tell me if I'm wrong here, not to segue, but from what we've seen from the center fielders, should we be putting Vinny V in center field? Possible consideration. I don't know how, how much ground he can cover, but we're not getting much from the position and it, it's, it's too early to do this, but one of the things I like to do just in, in general is like look at teams based on their position, their output by position. So not like, like not just looking at Reese Hoskins stats, but looking at all of Reese's stats from the, the innings he played in first base. And then whoever was in his, in whoever was at first base on his day off, looking at their stats too. So like, you know, just that right. position's output for that team, regardless of who the player is. And like, because real Muto is, incredible but he's made more incredible because he does what he does from the catch position and not from like left field well that but but also just like you know breaking it down by like is philly's right field good is the, is the philly's right field mm-hmm. a good right field in the mlb well you say well yeah bryce harper's great but if bryce harper you know is, is not playing every game then let's get an aggregate of bryce plus whoever filled in for him like look at the stats as like the Phillies right yeah. field position for the 162 games. What was their output? Sure. Anyway, it's too early to do it for this year, but like, I, I just, I can't imagine how the Phillies center field will end up looking if nothing changes. So, you know, I'm, we're riding high from a good start to the season. So what if we're really in this pennant run 
uh, as the season's going on. And it's like, like somehow we're surviving without good center field production, but we want to get even better because we want to make the playoffs. We want to have a run. Like, what do we do? So I was saying, why don't we here on this podcast now, why don't we take a look at the expiring center fielder contracts that we could uh, could potentially trade for a little bit of a trade deadline type action. All right. Hold on one second, Mitch. Mr. Dombrowski, we know that you're listening. You've probably tuned out at this point in the podcast. This is where we need you to focus up because we're going to help you out here. Okay. All right. Proceed. So I, I just took a look at like what contracts of, of outfielders are expiring um, this year. So, you know, like not that they're the only guys who would be traded, but they're conceivable guys who would be traded. And, and for this exercise, I'm not looking at anyone within the division. So like, you know, it, it happens, but it's rare to see a trade within the division. Like I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to look at the, you know, the potential of the Mets trading the Phillies, a center fielder who will help the Phillies win the pennant. I'm, I'm just assuming that's not going to happen. So looking highest paid to lowest. And these are just outfielders. I know we need a center fielder. Some of these guys are center fielders. Some of them aren't. It's just, it's just to get us thinking about potential improvements here. So I saw uh, Charlie Blackman from the hmm. Rockies, long time Rocky, and he is a center fielder. Um, I mean, that, that would be a big get. I have no idea what the Phillies have to give up in a potential deal like this, but you know, that would be someone that would inspire confidence in center field. Another guy uh, expiring is AJ Pollock for the Dodgers. Um, I mean, whatever, one week into the season as we are, it doesn't look like the Dodgers need that outfield depth. Um, I, nothing against Pollock, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Dodgers said, hey, what can we squeeze out of this guy in a trade scenario? Because we have plenty of depth. So he's a guy. Um, another outfielder would be Tommy Pham, currently with the uh, Padres and, you know, He's a player I really like. I I don't know his prospects on potentially playing at the center field position. So we're getting, you know, as we go down the list, I don't know if these guys are the point in their career where there's bona fide center fielders. Another guy, uh, Cole Calhoun, just a masher, uh, not a center fielder. I can say that, um, you know, I can say that outright. He's not a center fielder, but it's a bat that you would love, especially in uh, Citizens Bank Park. Then we have Greg, Gregory Polanco could become available. Um, really hard to say. I, I think the, the Pirates really like him. So I don't know, you know if there'd be any type of scenario where they trade him. They, you know, After some of the guys they've traded away, I don't know what their plan is at this time, but his contract is coming up. Uh, and then Mark Canna, I believe you say, from the A's, another good bat. And, you know, remains to be seen if – the A's will be contending or maybe looking to cash in at the trade deadline because the Astros are running away with that division. I think, I mean, any of these guys really would be a step up for us. And the fact that they're expiring to something, you know, Dombrowski will take a look, I hope at this position, unless something is going to have, somebody's going to take a meteoric rise. I mean, Roman Quinn before today, these were the uh, the at bats just to give some context for our center field strikeout, bunt, ground out, hit by pitch, strikeout, 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 hit by pitch, ground out, strikeout, strikeout. And today, I believe he was hit by pitch and struck out. I'm pretty sure. How is he defensively? Elite speed. Um, has an outfield assist on the year, Gord. Like, what, what's your overall take on his on his defense as a whole? Yeah, I mean, the outfield assist is his saving grace on his whole season right now. It saved that uh, that you know uh, opening day win, but I I don't think with even with the speed with the arm, it's just like he's not. It's it's his size. It's what it comes down to. He doesn't. He's not a stereotypical center fielder. Um, you know, it's like he's not even D Gordon Light. I don't even know what to say about this dude. Um, I just don't think he's got it, even with the defensive side of things where he can have some value added. He just doesn't have the chops to 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 be an everyday guy there. Yeah, it's like he 
you he's like super fast that's his thing and you just want to say like dude just do just do like one more thing a little bit better and then your speed will carry you because you're like you know the rest of your attributes are at a certain floor but like they're just don't appear to be there doesn't appear to be enough in his game outside of the speed to salvage you know like a, a, a spot on the roster i don't know like he gets on on the bases he'll get around but will he get on like, i don't know can you can't count on it what do you what, do you, what are you gonna do he is our permanent pinch runner he has he has no invisible attributes his visible attributes are that he's bad at baseball and he's very fast I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I hate to say he's bad at baseball. I don't know. It's hard not to at this point, but I really, really want him to be good. I I mean, I do too. His foil right now is Adam Hazley, who's choking up on the bat. It's like it's like in Little League when you had the, the guys on the team who swang the, who, the, the, the 33-30 bats and the 32-29s. Hazley's got like the, the he did the, what now? He swang them bats, you know what I mean? And <laughs> and he's up there choking up like eight to nine inches on this bat. And maybe it was just some of the matchups he had, but he just looked he looked foolish up at the plate a couple of times. Um, but I think he hit, he has a higher ceiling. He's got more potential than than Quinn does. But I just think he needs to get settled in. Maybe it's just a matter of reps for Hazley but he's not looking good at the plate at all. And there's been a couple of times, I don't know if it's the the sun, I don't know if it's the shadows, but he's looked goofy out in center as well. And it's just like, this is for me right now, it's the glaring problem for the Phillies. Um, Andrew, mm-hmm. do you know Do you know what um, like the shuttle run is? Yeah, combine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so you basically run one direction, you, you touch a line and you reverse then head back the the direction you came from, right? Hazley's playing center field the other day. Fly ball. You're watching TV. You don't know where the fly ball's going. It's like if you're the kind of guy who sits there and like, oh, he took a bad route to the ball after watching like one in like a three second play on the TV. Just stop. But anyway, so the ball comes out, and it's like, I just trust the fielders. Hazley goes, takes off towards the wall in center. He just takes off like. Like he's not it's, slow. Like crap. I gotta go. Like I, I just can't go over my head. I gotta go. Gotta go. And then the camera catches him going full shuttle run, <laughs> sprinting back in, as if like he's got to get to second base before the fifteen seconds are up or whatever. He's sprinting back in, back in, back in. There's a little weak slide, and the ball just lands. It appeared to be just about where he started the play at. Like, I don't know what he was seeing, but this dude ran completely away from the ball, realized it, ran back, and just couldn't get there in time. It's just like, yeah, reading the ball off the bat is like probably high on your priority list for center fielder. Yeah. And I don't think I don't, I don't want to hate on somebody. I know it's baseball. Yeah. <laughs> I told you I was a baseball fan. I don't want to hate on someone's batting stance because you got to do what you got to do to hit the ball. Like, I don't care. But the way he stands there up at the plate, what he looks like, just to describe it without seeing it, is he looks like the animation that they give to the pitchers in a baseball video game. So it's like, like the pitchers can't hit anyway. Are we really going to make unique stances? Like, are we going to code in these unique stances for all these pitchers who can't hit anyway? No, we're just going to give them some basic, like, you know, just stand in there and just like they basically look like they're, either standing straight up or like sitting on a tiny little stool that someone just placed behind them. It's brutal. I, I think you give, you give Hazley a little bit more of a leash, but after that, I think we have to seriously consider going to get somebody else. If we're going to stay competitive, like if we're, if we're going to somehow outlast the production in center field and just in spite of it, continue to succeed, that needs to be the place. If we're going to be serious in September or October about doing something. Yeah, well, center field is definitely leading, leaving a lot to be desired, but there are so many positive takeaways from these first six games. Phillies are really having us uh, in, in a good mental space here. Five and one is just like, you know, a, a great start. I, you know, I think everybody's happy with the performance so far, and there are some 
some guys who are really clicking and some guys who haven't even started clicking yet that, that we can count on that you just wonder, you know, if everybody's going at the same time, how good could this team be? I've been a little bit uh, too much of, you know, I've been told this, you know, some listeners have pointed out that I, you know, if Gord's been the Optipod guy, I've been a bit of a Pessipod. I don't want to be, a, I, you know, it's not my intention to be Pessy. I don't want to pess you guys off. So I'm going to bring it back to some optimism. This team is looking good. I did not expect them to look this good. I know there'll be peaks and valleys, but I'm eating, the, I'm, I'm, I'm eating my words a little bit here today after the first six games. Joe um, Pessy, take that. That's right. So we're, uh, I mean. It's going to take more than that to, you know, make us stop thinking that you're pessimity, but you can, you can keep trying. I will try my best. So anyway, let's, let's look ahead at what's next. We got three games at the Braves starting on Friday then four at the Mets. Then we'll have uh, the Cardinals come to town in Philly for three games and the Giants as well for three home games. And that'll take us through the next off day, which would be uh, April 22nd. So that's that's what? That's 13 more games going to be tagged on here. Um, we'll know a lot more about the Phillies by then, what they're looking like. The, um, I'm sure there'll be peaks and valleys even in these these next few series here. And um, we'll make sure that you guys are all caught up on what happens. Um, we'll be you know, covering all the important stuff. Not just what actually happened, but what we think happened, uh, you know, behind the scenes. We got we got all kinds of takes for you guys. We're trying to keep it not just about the scores and stats, but also give some insights that you guys might not hear anywhere else. So we got plenty coming for you guys uh, as the season goes on. Um, Gord, what, what's, what, what are you looking for in these next 13 games here? I mean, we're staying in division for the next seven. So we go on the road for these seven against Braves and Mets. And depending on what the Nats do and believing that the Marlins stay constant, I mean, we're up three, two and a half or three on the next closest person in the division to put maybe three more. I mean, if things continue to go as they are right now, uh, that's something that this team has not done, I don't think, ever. And that would be pretty incredible. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I think we're going to start to see some true colors. We're going to start to see who's going to, you know, be in a slump to start, who's going to be starting to find themselves here. You know, in that time, the Cardinals just swept. Um, I think it was the Marlins who they played. They look very good. Um, the Giants middling. So it's one of those things, Braves, Mets, Cardinals, like that, those 10 games are going to test the medal of is, is, you know, I, I was saying on at some point, I, it doesn't seem like this team is fool's gold. It seems like when you bite down, there's something real here. And these 10 games are going to see if that's actually true. Uh, you know, are, are we just kind of like Eureka? We, we actually have something for real. Or are we just a little bit swinging out of our shoes, playing above ourselves? And we're going to come back down to earth. Um, the nice part is, is that, you know, even look at Nola today, he turns in something that was you know, uh, a B, a B minus, a C plus effort, and we bail them out with eight runs. That's what the, this offense is capable of. And if we even do that or even a little bit less than that, we're going to be very competitive. I like our chances here to take, you know, out of 13, I like taking nine or 10 out of 13 of these next ones. Wow. I love Optipod, it. baby. I love it. Yeah. You basically hit everything that I was thinking. I mean, the uh, you know that that bouncing back and testing the metal of the team. I think even these first six games, you know, you're like you're four and zero. Oh, it's like, what happened? Like, oh, okay, is this real? And you drop one, you lose a game, and it's like you could quickly start to have that doubt creep in. Like, was that a flash in the pan? The first four games, but bouncing back and taking the series win from the Mets there in in uh, the sixth game, I think that was like, you know, said a lot about the team. Just you know, taking care of business and showing us like, Hey, it's a loss. It happens. We're the same team. Let's, let's keep playing. So I, I love to see that. And I think it's a great starting point for these games to come. Agreed. I mean, and just to point out, I mean, going off of today's excellence, if Reese stays hot and, and then Harper is to get hot on top of that. And we go like unfathomably Hoskins, Harper, Bohm, Real Muto, and they all hit the same chord at the same time. I don't know, man. 
the top three in our, in our, in our rotation, we're not going to lose those games. If those guys are going at the same time, that synergy is too much for people. We're just going to wipe the floor with people. If that's the case, when those four guys and then the rotation is, is all in sync, that's three out of five games. We're going to win on the season. It's, it's incredible. There's a lot to be excited about for sure. Do we have any dates on dollar dog nights at the bank? I'm not sure. I haven't read about that. Are they doing those this year, Mitch? Do you know? I don't know. Let's, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's call the bank and see, you know, is there, is there like a front desk number we can call them? Yeah. Maybe we could just knock on the door. (laughs) That should be a new segment. I should have asked when I was there today. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Because that's really what I need. I mean, that's, that's what I need dollar dog night. Uh, I want to put too many away and feel sick on my way home. And uh, I don't know what else to say about it. I'm not seeing any on the promotions page right now, but something tells me if we roll around in the summertime, there's no way they don't announce a couple of those bad boys. Yeah. They, uh, I'll hold out hope similar to like their uh, capacity rules. They kind of only rolled out like the first chunk of the season. So I don't think they want to commit to like, to gotcha. anything too much, like, you know, they're taking past, it like, easy late May. Yeah. They're still at 15% glizzy capacity. So they're going <laughs> to really try and bump those numbers up for later in the summer. I'll be sure to put in a word so that the uh, Phillies PR team knows to send, you know, like promotional emails, just like breaking dogs incoming and you know we'll all get that to our inbox letting us know that the the dogs will be rolling at the bank again yeah that's that'll be the that'll be the alert literally rolling i love that match literally let's wrap this thing up everybody thank you so much for listening baseball is back baby and it feels so dang good uh, appreciate you taking the time to listen to the pod. PMI is available on all major podcatchers right now, and you can catch all of our past episodes as well as our social media accounts. You can check us out at fillmeinpod.com. That's Phil, P-H-I-L, fillmeinpod.com. Uh, for myself, can I insert something here? Yeah. This is on the fly. Uh, I'm going to say that if we get some five-star reviews – and you roast me, the clueless Yankee fan, in that review, we'll read it on the air. Oh, yeah. We will absolutely. We will you read all Andrew that? roasts on the air. We'll be read. Um, Fill Me In Pod has linked to. We got some merch out there. We're, we're, we're swinging out of our shoes on fillmeinpod.com. Check us out there. We'd love to have you. We will look out for the uh, ignorant Andrew roasts as best as we can. Uh, but for now, for myself, for Mitch, For Andrew, uh, this has been Fill Me In. We're out of here.